Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Seeds of Triumph podcast. We are all about helping service members navigate through the difficult and challenging experiences that come with serving in the military. Here on Seeds of Triumph, we will discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as provide several resources, techniques, and coping mechanisms that can be used every day to instill overall toughness, wellness, and resiliency into our military force. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy what we have to provide. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited to launch this podcast, Seeds of Triumph. Um, The mission and goal behind this is really to create a platform of support for our service members who have experienced tough times while serving in the military and have been able to persevere and remain triumphant through them all on their own accord. Our experiences that we have can be shared and we can help one another get through the toughest of times. It is no secret that mental health is one of the biggest challenges crippling our military force today. There was a survey conducted by the Department of Defense which stated that suicides among active duty service members increased by more than 40% between 2015 and 2020. That is an alarming rate. I don't know what exactly it is attributed to, but something's got to be done. I am part of several groups on Facebook. I am active in Reddit. I just, I really am here in the Navy, in the service to advocate for and help those who need it or who are scared to speak up or don't know where to go or who to ask. I, I see, you know, these posts on these pages and in these forums about service members and sailors who are crying out, who are complaining about the state of our mental health care system in the military, and rightfully so. There are some major problems that are common throughout, and one of those problems is you know, long wait times to get seen by a provider. And when I say long, I'm talking eight to 10 months. Not only that, I have personally experienced and have been told several instances where service members and sailors are being turned away by their primary care providers because there's no availability or priority is only for those who are deployed or just came back from a deployment. So that's not okay. I have, you know, seen these topics brought up at all hands calls to various COs or to high-ranking officials in the Navy. And we really just don't have time to wait for them to take action. Mental health is serious. The lack of mental health care is infecting our force every single day. So if we just sit and wait for our policymakers and 
you know, the, the guys in charge to implement or try to fix this problem, people are still going to suffer. So why not try to do what we can together organically and support one another? Support is one of the most important things that we can provide to each other when we're going through hard times, when our mental health is declining. So this is a platform for various service members and people who have faced adversity and have came out stronger because of it to share their own stories in hopes that somebody out there can relate. And not only would they be able to relate, but they'll be able to persevere through whatever they're going through. So with the podcast being called Seeds of Triumph, I, your host, would like to share my own seed of triumph. I joined the military right out of high school. I was very eager. Um, I would also say I was very naive. I really hadn't had many life experiences. I hadn't gone through anything. You know, I was just, I I just went to high school. Um, So here I am, an an adult in this military world, um, all by myself, away from home, just trying to figure it out. My first four years were spent training, and then I was in my first command. I didn't agree with everything that, you know, my chain of command or my leadership was telling me. Um, That was incredibly frustrating. But one thing that I did to balance that out or just to keep myself sane was, you know, focus on my why or my purpose. And at the time it was my education. So in the midst of frustration or increased stress or someone talking to me crazy or treating me wrong, I'd always fell back on the fact that, okay, this is not okay, but I can deal with it because at the end of the day, the Navy is paying for me to get my degree. So Upon leaving my first command after four years in the Navy, I got my associate's degree and I wasn't sure that I wanted to re-enlist, but I was still out to get my bachelor's degree. So it wasn't time for me to go. And I felt like I still had, you know, a lot more experiences to gain. So I was really interested and in the special operations community. I wanted to do something that was challenging, that was more meaningful and purposeful than what I was currently doing. So I put an application and I screened and I got selected. And in 2016, I went to my first special operations command and I was super excited to be there. I was eager to learn my, more about my job was eager to get through all the training and go on my first deployment. So the first couple years that I was there was a little rough. In that community, it's very different than your regular military. There's a sense of you have to prove yourself, to prove your worth, to prove that you deserve to be there. And that kind of took a toll on me a little bit in a sense that, you know, I I'd never experienced that before. I was always just, you know, accepted for what I was. So 
that was a little different. You know, people talk to you differently. They might talk down to you because you're new. That was okay. That wasn't too hard to deal with. But it was also a different culture there. I want to say that it was somewhat it was somewhat of a popularity contest. Like if you didn't go out and you know, hang out and drink or go party with the with the with the cool guys, then you weren't cool. You were being antisocial or you thought you were better or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I kind of had that target on my back initially, but I didn't let it bother me. So it was time to deploy and I got to my first deployment in a combat zone. I was the only one from my command at this place. Um, I was augmented to work for a different command um, during this deployment. Well, that's kind of where things went wrong. And I experienced my first real life experience, my first really bad real life experience, to be honest. Um, my boss, he was an E7, a chief. Um, he and I were supposed to work really closely together to accomplish the mission that we were given. However, he made it impossible because he decided that he was going to be extremely unprofessional and harass me from day one. So I showed up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready to get the job done, ready to do what I was trying to do. And I was called out of my name several times, you know, instead of being called by my name, I was being called beautiful or sexy or baby girl or gorgeous. And that just, it it made me feel so uncomfortable and it wasn't right. But I didn't say anything. I didn't want to cause any drama. I didn't want to let that take away from what I was there to do. It got worse. I'd say after two weeks, it developed into touching. Um, He would touch my shoulder. He would touch my waist. He would grab my butt several times. And it made me feel uncomfortable. And And I said, stop. And he stopped and said, sorry. You know, he didn't mean it. And then he continued. So again, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to report him. I was out there to prove myself essentially to this command that I'm now a part of that I am worthy of being here in this in this program to do my job. So so that played a factor in it too. So I didn't say anything, um, but I did give my friend a call who had worked in this community for a little bit and I told her about what was going on. She asked me why I didn't report it or why I didn't say anything. And I told her, well, to be honest, I just don't want any drama. I just want to keep my head down. I want to get through this deployment. I want to do what I was trained to do and and see what happens. And we left it at that. You know, she just, her advice was, you know, you really should report him. This is not right. He shouldn't be doing this to you. So again, I didn't say anything. Um, a couple weeks, a couple weeks go by. I am in my room, secure for the night, and I hear a knock on the door. It was weird because it was like two in the morning, and I had stayed in the office late 
you know, working on some stuff and the knock on my door, I see who it is. It's, it's the chief, the guy who's in charge of me, the E7, who's been harassing me. And he said he was dropping off something that I left in the office. And so I was like, okay, I, I took it. It was my radio. And he then tried to force himself into my room. And at that moment, my heart sank into my chest. I mean, my stomach. And I just, I thought that, you know, I thought that it was going to become even worse, but I was able to fight this person off of me and get him out of my room and lock my door. Thank goodness. Just talking about it now since shivers down my spine to think, you know, what could have happened if I wasn't able to defend myself. So after that happened, I still didn't report it, but about a week later, I got an email from a lieutenant and he had told me that he was launching an investigation on the person that was harassing me because of a report that was made. And I knew what it was. I knew that my friend who I had told said something and I'm really glad she did. I gave a statement. I explained everything that was going on. I had some text messages that were sent to me on a work phone that were wildly inappropriate. I shared those text messages with them. And about a week later, that person disappeared. All his stuff was gone and he left and went back to his command. I don't know exactly what happened. It was never told to me, but I heard that he was banned from that command, you know, and banned from the special operations community and sent back out to the regular Navy, which is unfortunate. And I really hope that he did not do those same things that he did to me to anybody else. But the fact that he's still out there means that somebody needs protection. After he left, the people that I worked with and worked for, instead of instead of finding out what happened or talking to me or asking if I was okay, they ostracized me and they they started to either make up or believe rumors. I don't know where they came from that I was promiscuous, that I was a liar, that I made all of this up. And honestly, that was my worst fear. Along with, you know, causing drama and, you know, having my command see me in a negative light, I was afraid that I was going to become a statistic. I was going to become a woman in the military and in the in the special operations community that made up a lie or yeah and it, and it happened and it was awful. I was ostracized. I was out there for 4 out of the 6 months. And every single day of that 4 months was awful especially after my harasser got sent home because he left, but I was harassed by everybody else. I was bullied by everybody else. I couldn't do my job. I was isolated. And that made me feel completely worthless. I was ashamed 
to tell my family what was going on. I didn't want them to think any less of me. I also didn't want them to worry about me. Only person I told what was going on was my best friend and she couldn't really do much. She's not even in the military. So all she could do was was be there to check on me and make sure I was okay. But other than that, nothing. I talked to my command and I couldn't get a hold of them. They didn't really know what was going on with me. All they knew is that I fell into this, you know, deep, dark depression and I couldn't do my job anymore. And I had to come home early from deployment. So like I said, after all this happened, I fell into a really bad place. I asked for help. I was able to get sent home early. I show back up to my command and nobody's there. Um, My friend picks me up from the airport. I have to go back. It's been about four months since I've been there. Um, Leadership had changed and turned over, so I had a new person in charge. He reached out to me to introduce himself and let me know, you know, where I had to be and on what day. So I show back up to work and it was like I had a scarlet letter on my chest or on my forehead. You know, everyone just looked at me in disgust as what it seemed. Or they didn't look at me at all. Or the people that I used to talk to didn't talk to me at work. And that just made these feelings that I was feeling even worse. So I I honestly didn't know what to do. I sought mental health counseling. I went to our um, social worker and I asked to speak to her. I explained what was going on and it was nice to talk and get it out. But I, I personally at that time, I don't think that I was ready for that. So I stopped going and talking about it because talking about it just made me feel even worse. So I had an opportunity to leave that command temporarily and go TDY to another command away from the place where everybody was treating me like I had a scarlet letter. Um, Not only that, they were feeding into all the lies and the rumors and calling me a liar as well. You know, these people who weren't even in the same place that I was, who had no idea what happened to me. So I had the opportunity to go TDY to a different location, and I did. Um, The new boss that I had mentioned, um, he suggested it and helped me get there. I was very grateful at the time for that. So I got away from, you know, this toxic place um, from the people who were supposed to support me. And I focus on my job, and I bring what I know to that place. And everything's fine. I'm removed from this place that was reminding me of the trauma that I went through when I'm focusing on my job. And like I said, I didn't really want to do therapy because I didn't want to rehash everything. I just I just felt like I was in such a fragile state that if I did, then it would just break me even more. So what I decided to do was get into bodybuilding. Bodybuilding was something that I'd always been fascinated with. 
Um, my father was a bodybuilder. And so I thought, you know what? Why not? I'm going to try this. So I hired a coach and I scheduled a show and I trained and I lived and I breathed and I ate everything bodybuilding. And it was great. Um, It took my mind off of the negativity. It instilled a sense of self-worth. I got all my confidence back and I proved to myself through bodybuilding that I could do anything that I wanted to do. And I also found a new method of therapy, which was to get in the gym and lift weights. Not only that, but through my bodybuilding, I found a support system through other people in the gym that were working towards the same goal, that knew nothing about me, that could just be there to support me through whatever I was going through. It was great. Um, my, my coach is one of my really good friends now. I still talk to him to this day and I'm really grateful for him. So that's what I did. I, I did my first show. I trained for it. I was working at this other place. I didn't have to deal with the negativity. And I won my first show and I became a bodybuilding pro in a natural federation. That was great. Um, that instilled even more confidence in me. Um, so for about another year, I trained and I competed again and I got fourth place in my first pro show. So that was awesome. And at this point, I was thriving. You know, nothing could get me down. I hadn't been back to therapy. Like I said, I was using the gym and my support system that I built to get through things. I had planned to just keep pursuing the bodybuilding thing, but I was still attached to this special operations command and I still had to do my job. So it was my turn to go on another deployment, which was fine. It would have been nice if I could have just, you know, stayed local and done the bodybuilding thing that I was using, right, as a coping mechanism to deal with um, the tough things, to deal with the trauma that I had been through. But I said, okay, you know, I'm ready to go back out here and prove myself to these people. Um that had lost faith in me. So I was eager to get back on the deployment, right? I said, I, you know, I did the bodybuilding thing. I persevered through that. I'm feeling good, looking good, confident, like I can take on the world. And that was such a good mindset to have. So I am, I find out that I have to go on this deployment. I go back to my original command because I have to get ready. And the person that allowed me to do the TDY for my command was an E8 senior chief. He was actually very inappropriate with me, come to find out. Um, He knew what happened to me on my first deployment. He, at first, it seemed like he was there to, you know, support me. um, And he got very friendly It turned out at first it was, you know, seeing that I was okay, making sure that everything was going well at this place that I was TDY to. And then it turned into late night text messages um, and inappropriate comments. And then it turned into right before I was about to go on my second deployment, I 
someone approached me and told me that there was a picture of me in my bikini that was on my social media floating around the command and there were inappropriate comments made about that picture in a group chat involving my leadership. So thank goodness I had built myself back up because, man, that was such a blow. But I said, you know what? Whatever. The world saw that picture. That picture was on my Instagram. I was doing bodybuilding. That was one of my posing pictures, you know? But the fact that you guys took that and where it made it inappropriate and shared that, it that looks bad on you, not me. So I didn't let it affect me too much. And I went on that second deployment. That deployment was supposed to be six months, but it ended up being nine months because of COVID. So that was a stressor within itself. But that was okay. I still had the gym. I still had the gym on deployment, so I was able to work through that stuff. Well, back to this person who decided that he was going to be inappropriate with me after knowing what I had been through, who decided that he was going to take a picture and share it and, and speak inappropriately, he ended up going under investigation because someone reported him, not me. Because of what I found out, I I didn't report it. At that point, I was just like, you know what? Whatever. I don't need to deal with this. But somebody reported it, and I was reached out to to give a statement because of what had happened to me. And I did. And it turns out that this guy had harassed and been inappropriate with 14 other women. So long story short, in his case, I didn't find out until you know, long after I had come back from the second deployment and even PCS to my new command that he had been administratively separated. And that's it. And that really pisses me off, you know, but I'm not the one to give punishment, right? Whatever punishment is supposed to come to him and the other person before him, it'll come. And that's not my job to decide what that is. But I am glad that at least one of them is out of the Navy and cannot do that to anyone else. So that's my story about what I've been through. Um, that That was my personal seed. And the way that I, you know, triumph through all of that was through the gym, through building up my confidence through finding a support system. And I finally realized, because because doing that, you know, it didn't cure the trauma, but it, it put a Band-Aid on it and it made me strong enough to wake up the next day and the next day and the next day to keep fighting. So I'm not saying do not, I'm not saying You don't need to see a mental health provider that you don't need therapy. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that there are things that you can do yourself intrinsically to stay strong, to remain strong, to triumph through these hard times. So what I did was 
I did seek mental health treatment because the trauma that I had been through needed to be dealt with. As soon as I got back from my second deployment, at that point, I had not been doing bodybuilding for nine months because I was doing the deployment. And at that point, I realized, you know, I need to deal with this trauma that happened to me because I started falling back into this depression, this kind of, you know, woe is me. I can't believe this happened. Um, So I started talking to the therapist again, the same um, social worker that I talked to when I got back from my first deployment. And at that point, I think I was ready to deal with it, whereas before I wasn't. So through several conversations, we met every week and that was very productive. She gave me tips and tools. And one of those things that she told me to do was practice mindfulness and to meditate and to focus on the positives and not to dwell on the negative and what happened to me. She really she really explained to me that I I couldn't let this experience define me and that it didn't define me. And that really helped. That really helped get me through. So I was finally able to leave this place um, where I was, you know, harassed by two different people and was under supported by my chain of command. And I got to the command that I'm at now. And I knew that I needed to continue my therapy because if I didn't, I was going to get worse. So I reached out about a couple weeks after I checked in here to my new PCM and asked for a referral to see a psychologist to which I was met with, oh, well, we reserve the referrals for psychology for people who are deployed. And that really just caught me off guard because when I was in the special operations community, it was as simple as going downstairs to our medical office and you know, making an appointment with the the social worker and doing my therapy. So here it was a different process for me. And that was when I realized that this was going to be tough to, to get the care that I needed. Um, so, so I said, okay, um, I didn't really know what to do. They referred me to military one source. They said, yeah, you can try military one source. And I had called the social worker and let her know what they were telling me. And she said that she would give them her email and email them, you know, the details of my situation and why I needed help. So I finally get a call back from my PCM saying that, you know, they got in touch with my um, prior um, mental health care provider and they were able to get me an appointment. But this appointment wasn't until about two months later. So I was a little worried, but you know what I did? I fell back on my, you know, I fell back on my coping mechanism, which was the gym. So I got into the gym. I just focused on me and used the gym for therapy until I was able to see this new psychologist. And the rest is history. I saw the psychologist um, and we've been talking and working through. Now, our appointments were every month instead of every week. 
So I was not used to that. That was a bit of an adjustment, but I realized, you know, where we stand. And even more so now, what is it, five years later, um, that that the, the military is experiencing a big crisis and a big mental health care provider resource, you know, lack of. So what I'm essentially saying is the demand is outweighing the supply. So yeah, you know, sailors or service members that need mental health treatment are having to wait, you know, at four weeks to be seen, which is, which it just is what it is, I guess. It's not okay. It is not okay. And I can't do anything about it. But what I can do, like I mentioned before, is create a platform where we can come together and share the tools and the resources that we've used to overcome. And so that was my seed and that was my triumph. And the last thing that I'll provide is the advice that I would give anyone who who is trying to be stronger. The advice that I would give, the number one thing I would say is to find a support system, whether that's your friend, whether you know that's getting into the gym, Whatever it is, is we all need support. And you know what? I hope, I really hope that nobody ever finds themselves in the situation that I was in, where I was unsupported by the very people that should have supported me. So when I say that support is important, trust me, I know from experience. Find a support system. And the next thing that I'll say is don't give up. Pain is temporary. When I was at the lowest of my low, I wasn't thinking, you know, that I that things were going to get better. I was just so caught up in the pain that I was experiencing that I, I forgot to realize that it was only temporary, that this was not going to last forever. And I am here to tell you that it is not going to last forever and that you can do anything that you want in this world and that your past does not define you. The things that have happened to you does not define you. And the last thing that someone told me that I still think to this day, and I love to share this, is that there are three types of people in this world. Only three. The people that are about to go through something, the people who are going through something, and the people who went through something. And we just go through that cycle. So wherever you are in that cycle, just know that all of us in this world are in that cycle too. And we're all in this together. I am really excited to have kicked off this podcast. We have some really exciting and insightful guests lined up to speak and share their own experiences and seeds of triumph. I look forward to hearing from the audience and I'm also hopeful that my story and the other stories on this podcast will help you through your own mental health journey and provide you with some new tools and resources and ideas on how you can persevere and overcome the toughest times of your life. And just remember, we're all in this together. 
Thank you all for listening to Seeds of Triumph podcast. I look forward to connecting and supporting you all through your military journey. If you are struggling with your mental health and you need additional resources, please view the link listed in our episode description. The Seeds of Triumph podcast can be contacted via email at seedsoftriumph.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. You guys have a great day. The views expressed by the speaker and all guests are not those of the Department of Defense, United States Navy, or any other government agency. They are strictly those of the speakers who do not speak for any other organization or entity. The speakers are not mental health professionals and do not intend any of the content of this podcast as mental health advice. If you need professional mental health advice, please seek out your closest military or civilian mental health providers immediately.